Welcome to the wicket. Yes, hello and welcome to another episode of The Wicket. I'm Brian Murgatroyd, joined by John Pike, the Arab News columnist, and Sabash Hamagain, the Arab News cricket reporter. And as ever, we're all set to explore the world of cricket. Gentlemen, how are you? As good as can be expected. Oh, fine, Brian. Excellent. Well, this is an episode with a difference. As it's our last one of 2023, we've decided to look back on the year and chat around the players, series and issues that have stood out for us in the past 12 months. There'll be some things uh, we may not have touched upon that stick out in your mind, but what follows is what sticks out in ours. And we'll start by getting out the laurel wreaths to come up with our men's and women's players of the year. First up, it's the men's player, I've got uh, a handful on my list. There's Travis Head, a century in the ICC World Test Championship final, then player of the match performances in the semi-final and final of the ICC Cricket World Cup. Usman Khawaja, more test runs than any player in 2023 and the only man to reach a 1,000 test runs ahead of the Boxing Day tests. Virat Kohli, the leading run scorer in the ICC Cricket World Cup. He made nine scores of 50 or more in 11 innings in that tournament. And he was second in the list of ODI run scorers for the year. And Shubman Gill, he topped 1,500 one-day international runs for the year, more even than Virat Kohli, and was the leading run scorer in the 2023 IPL with 890 runs, a phenomenal effort. John, who tops your charts for 2023 and why? Well, those four you mentioned uh, put in um, very impressive performances, but I'm going for somebody different. And um, that man is none other than the Australian captain, Pat Cummings. I think what he's achieved for Australia, both on and off the field during the course, certainly the second half of this year, has been absolutely outstanding. And I suspect that without his um, involvement and and input, they may not have uh, achieved what they ultimately did achieve. Subash, how does that sit with you? Yeah, Brian, I think uh, I'd go for Kohli because not because of his performance only, but his redemption. I think the way he struggled in past few years, I think uh, everyone had counted him out saying uh, that's going to be the end of his career. But uh, what a way to come back. I think uh, apart from the final, I think he was all over uh, the, the biggest name in the World Cup as well. And it was pity that he couldn't get the trophies for the second time. But I think he's done it once and... Him being the MVP of the World Cup, I think that that's a big statement. And as an individual player, I think Virat Kohli did uh, everything he could for India. And the final, I think it would be a big regret for him. But I think the 2023 belongs to Kohli himself. Well, I'm going to make this a split decision because uh, I'm going to go with uh, Travis Head. I think that century in the ICC World Test Championship final set things up for the Australians there and set the ball rolling, really, for their outstanding second half of 2023. And then to produce those player-of-the-match performances in the semi-final and final of the ICC Cricket World Cup was astonishing, not only because of the quality of those performances and the quality of the opposition, but also because he missed the first half of the tournament 
with uh, a broken bone. It really was an exceptional performance from him. So we've got three different candidates there and uh, we've uh, we've each chosen uh, one. What about the woman's player for uh, 2023, uh, gentlemen? In terms of my shortlist, I've got Ash Gardner, who was player of the series in the T20 World Cup and 12 wickets in the Ashes Test match at Trent Bridge, which was pivotal, really, in helping Australia retain those Ashes. Natalie uh, Siver-Brunt, she was brilliant in the women's Ashes as well. I think she's taken her game to uh, another level. And what about Chamari Atapatu, the Sri Lankan, who led her country to victory in the ICC T20 World Cup uh, opener against host South Africa. She also led Sri Lanka to a T20i series win in England, and she was player of the tournament in the Women's Big Bash League in Australia, which was an outstanding performance too. What uh, what, what do we reckon there? Sebash, what are your what, what are your thoughts? Uh, Brian, I'd go with Tamari just because uh, her national team performance as well as the France has won. Once again, the comeback, I think she was looked over uh, other players, but she got the chance because of injuries. She came back and solving the nation, I think she has said it. Uh, it has been her biggest pride to play for Sri Lanka and she's been performing consistently as well. Uh, the team hasn't been producing the results they wanted, but I think Tamaru has been a standout player, uh, an icon for a lot of South South Asian cricketers, including Nepalese players as well. So, so it's a big uh, performance from her in the BBL as well. She's proven herself in different conditions. So I think her stats, it's her numbers speak for herself as well. And 2023 solely belong to her. And John, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'll go along with uh, with that. I mean, Natalie um, has a particularly fine Ashes. She's a, a Outstandingly classy player, but I think um, given that um, Jamari doesn't play in the strongest um, team in the world, uh, performances and, and leadership have been outstanding. Well, I think we can all agree on that one. Jamari Atapatu is our Women's Player of the Year. Next up, it's time to come up with the most memorable cricket happening in the men's game, and there are plenty of options to uh, to think about. Some that uh, I've come up with are Zach Trawley's first ball four at the start of the Ashes. It was Virat Kohli's 50th one-day international hundred during the ICC Cricket World Cup. There was the two Ashes series, both ending as draws. Stuart Broad retiring from cricket at the end of the men's Ashes series and taking the last two wickets to fall to secure an England win and a drawn series. There was Bangladesh winning the Asian Cricket Council Under-19 Asia Cup for the first time and also the UAE reaching the final for the first time, beating test side Sri Lanka and Pakistan on the way. What about the Netherlands win over Scotland to qualify for the ICC Cricket World Cup? That was unbelievable, really, with Baz Deleida getting a, a barnstorming hundred. And in fact, a, a, another moment, if you like, was that whole tournament in Zimbabwe, the qualifier. It was superb. And for the first time, every match was broadcast globally or streamed. Sebash, what do you reckon? Uh, what's your moment of 2023? Uh, Brian, I'd go with Glenn Maxwell's innings against Afghanistan. I think uh, that's one of the one of the greatest moments I have ever seen live cricket. Uh, Australia were down and out, 91 for seven. Maxwell hardly being able to walk in the last part of his innings, but what a what a innings that was! Just watching at the live telecast, I can't imagine the feeling that uh, the Australian players and fans had. I think uh, Glenn Maxwell's innings. I think that 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 would be the best moment of this year. Yeah, it really was an incredible performance by Glenn Maxwell—a double hundred, uh, bringing Australia back from the dead. Of course, on the way to winning that ICC Cricket World Cup, John. 
What are your thoughts? Well, that was the additional one that I'd written down. Um, not only that double hundred, but of course it came after he teed himself up with a um, hundred in the previous match that he played in, which played in, which was the you know the fastest ODI hundred ever so far. It's a shame because uh, you will guess that um, my predilection here would be to. Um, go with the drama of, uh, of Stewart's you know, last match. But I think that um, given the stage for the World Cup and given the physical condition that McIlroy was in, I think that's just going to shade it. Well, I think uh, we can all agree on that as well then. So, uh, well, we've managed to agree on uh, two out of the three categories so far. So that's uh, going nicely from our perspective. So that's our memorable men's moment. But what about the women's game? Again, there's a host to choose from, and some of the ones that resonated with me were Tammy Beaumont's double hundred in the women's uh, Ashes Test match at Trent Bridge, Ash Gardner's 12 wickets in that same match, which we've mentioned already, Sri Lanka's T20 series win over England in England, again, something we've touched upon uh, earlier in the podcast, and there was Sri Lanka's win over host South Africa in the opening match of that ICC Women's T20 World Cup. That really was uh, an example of party pooping at its absolute best. What about uh, you guys, John? First of all, your most memorable uh, women's cricket happening of the year? I'm going for Tammy Beaumont's uh, double century. Um, I was there to witness it. Of course, I saw Gardner's uh, bowling performance as well. I mean, the naysayers on women's cricket usually saying that they like strength, they look power, they're not physically strong enough. But she batted eight hours for that double hundred. And the the theatre, um, as she got closer to it, from an encouragement from uh, the Trent Bridge crowd was, uh, was quite outstanding. I'd go for, for that effort from Tammy. And Subash? Yeah, I'd like to double up on that zone's... Uh... Choice, I think uh, Beaumont's inning was special, uh, considering we have very less test cricket, very less domestic uh, matches itself, and her grit and determination to stand and deliver in that match was excellent. Australia was over the top. I think Beaumont uh, brought the match towards England with that double century. Well, we've got uh, a consensus again here then, so uh, we're going very nicely at the wicket at the moment. But what about the next category? Let's talk about the biggest positive of 2023. Here are just a few I've thought of in no particular order. There was the Netherlands qualification for the ICC Cricket World Cup ahead of ICC full members, the West Indies Island and Zimbabwe. There was Oman's performance in reaching the Super 6 of the ICC Cricket World Cup qualifier and then reaching the ICC T20 World Cup. What about Uganda cricket? Well, qualifying for the ICC Men's T20 World Cup and for the ICC Women's T20 World Cup Global Qualifier. That really suggests that Uganda cricket is on the rise in a very big way. There was the increased interest in women's test cricket, shown most recently, of course, with India's matches at home against England and Australia. There was the Women's T20 World Cup in South Africa, which was an outstanding tournament won by Australia, beating the hosts in the final. And then we had the start of the Women's Premier League in India, the start of the US 2020 League. That's been a long time coming. And the start of the ILT20 in our region, in the UAE, with its commitment to include associate and UAE players in every squad and playing eleven. John, what was your biggest positive of the past 12 months? Well, I'm choosing from two. Um, one is the um, DP World ILT20, uh, you say, with the, the commitment to uh, mandatory, uh, the mandate to, to play 
associate players and, and UAE players in the squad and, and, and in the playing 11. Now, that is something that puts them uh, apart from other franchises so far. But I do think that the Uganda's achievement is particularly outstanding. And we have to be aware also that um, they've got Nigeria beginning to breathe down their neck now as a, as a serious competitor. And it's good for cricket in you know, Central, West and uh, Eastern Africa. And I think it gives hope for the others um, to see that uh, see what Uganda have managed to achieve with um, pretty limited resources. Sebash, I know you've been a big fan of what Uganda cricket have uh, done, particularly in the last 12 months. Was that your biggest positive of the year as well? Or, or do you have something else for us? Yeah, Uganda, I know man, were impressive. But I think Netherlands' uh, participation in the World Cup, I think that that was the biggest win for us as the associates as well. I think uh, the qualifiers journey in Netherlands showed what they can deliver. And they, they just continued in the World Cup as well. They were never to be taken lightly by any big teams. And they got the result. And that also opens up uh, the possibility that uh, the World Cup will not be shrinked to smaller numbers now. I think it's time that we uh, give these uh, associate teams a chance in the ODI World Cup as well. And I think uh, the result shows up for itself. Netherlands were not just for them, but they spoke a big volume uh, for the other associate members as well. And I think Ireland, West Indies, Zimbabwe not being in the World Cup uh, was a big miss for a lot of fans as well. So I think uh, Netherlands uh, being there was a statement that the, the game should grow bigger in the World Cup stage as well. Yes, despite my admiration for Uganda, I'm going to go with the Netherlands as well. I've seen a lot of Netherlands cricket over many, many years, and particularly during the uh, the World Cup Super League, when I saw their development, the value of them playing better teams on a regular basis. And I think we saw that in not only the qualifier, but also, as Sebash mentioned there, in the World Cup itself. They beat Bangladesh, they beat South Africa. And uh, yes, there's no doubt about it that uh, those uh, so-called associate sides, the second-tier teams, they need to play better teams on a more regular basis. And if they do, then we'll have a much more level playing field in international cricket. But uh, that's the positives that we've identified for the past 12 months. But just like a battery for every positive, there's a negative. And again, there were plenty of those in 2023 too. Here's just a few to be going on with that I've thought of. The continuation of no India-Pakistan bilateral cricket, which is a, a crying shame, it really is. There were modest crowds at the non-India matches at the ICC Cricket World Cup. And of course, something we've touched upon already, the West Indies' failure to qualify for that tournament. Remember, they won the first two editions in 1975 and 1979. Sebash, what was your biggest letdown in 2023? Has to be India-Pakistan bilateral series not happening yet again. And I, by the looks of things, I think that is a far call. Even now, I think cricket and politics should be different. I think cricket should be a medium to bring countries together and India and Pakistan, whenever we see them in the ICC events, I think that, that, that shows the volume. The Even the neutrals are excited to see these, these teams come up against each other. And there should be more cricket uh, in between these countries. And that should open up opportunities for players to be involved in France's leagues as well. We know what the TV rights, TV broadcasting brings to the, to the game with these teams involved. So I think uh, that should happen anytime soon. And I think ICC has to play a big role in the, let's say, ODI Super League or something. I think uh, that this would not be limited to ICC events only. John, I know the modest crowds were something that you picked up on when you were in India 
for the ICC Cricket World Cup. Was was that your biggest disappointment of uh, of the year? Uh, by a long way, uh, but it's more than that. I think the uh, the ticketing um, issue was one. You know, the sparse Indian crowds at uh, non-Indian matches uh, were not that interested in in cricket. It seemed to me they were more interested in getting themselves on camera and having a sing along with the. Uh, the Wurlitzer, there was, uh, you know, the levels of noise were, I think, um, intrusive. And certainly there were a couple of times when players uh, stopped their, their, their run-up. Um, the uh, ridiculously strict um, uh, security and the whole partisan attitude that, um, that immersed uh, the whole tournament um, were things that... Um, didn't sit very easily. So some sad times to reflect upon there in 2023. But what about the biggest surprise of the year? And that could be in a good way or a bad way. A few that I've listed down would be, as we've mentioned already, the West Indies and Zimbabwe's failures at the ICC Cricket World Cup qualifier and Zimbabwe's subsequent failure to qualify for the T20 World Cup. Another one, perhaps Meg Lanning's retirement from international cricket after she'd come back into the fold and led Australia to T20 World Cup success. And then there was India's failure to win the ICC Cricket World Cup, which, as John has hinted at there, was pretty much preordained in the eyes of over a billion people in India. John, do any of those surprises stand out to you or do you have something else in mind? Yes, I've got two additions. Um, one is um, what we've already mentioned, which was uh, the Netherlands beating South Africa. I was at that match and uh, it, it was a genuine um, surprise and, and, a, and a really well-deserved um, achievement. Following on from India's failure to win the, the World Cup, the other big surprise, uh, uh, as you know for me, was Pat Cummins choosing to field. <laughs> yes, you you were a bit surprised at the time, weren't you, when yes. uh, when he did uh, decide to uh, take the field first in that final? But I guess, uh, well, he was proved right in the end, wasn't he? In the end, I mean, I was not alone. I have to say, um, several Australian friends of mine said they preferred it when Pat doesn't win the toss. <laughs> Sebastian, what about you for a surprise of twenty twenty three? For me, it has to be Zimbabwe. I think uh, the Missed out on two big opportunities. The Cricket World Cup, Audi World Cup was a tough one. Uh, they competed well, but uh, I think to not make it into the T20 World Cup is a big blow. And to have it uh, against the teams that are, let's say, Tom Minos, because Zimbabwe, by individual, by the history, I think they were nowhere, nowhere near these teams. And to lose two matches in such circumstances, I think uh, that was a big blow for Zimbabwe. And a lot of individual players will carry this burden for four, four more years. Well, many years ago, when I was on tour in Australia as a journalist, a very experienced writer said to me, cricket just has the ability to throw up stories and controversy. Well, the longer I've lived, the more I've realised how true that statement is. And sure enough, we weren't short of things that made headlines and not necessarily always for the right reasons in 2023. Here's just a few of the many controversies we had during the calendar year. There was Sri Lanka cricket being suspended by the ICC for political interference in the governance of the sport. Johnny Bairstow being stumped during the Lords uh, England-Australia Test match which was the real catalyst for uh, a lot of ill feeling uh, around that, uh, that that event. Sri Lanka's Angelo Matthews being timed out during the ICC Cricket World Cup match against Bangladesh. What a, 
a moment or a couple of minutes that was. India not playing Pakistan during the Asian Cricket Council Asia Cup in Pakistan. Tom Curran, well, he's recently been banned for four matches for intimidating an umpire during a big bash league. There was Marlon Samuel's six-year ban from all cricket, albeit after he'd retired from playing. Uh, Salman Butt's appointment, which was uh, rapidly reversed as a consultant to Pakistan's chief selector, Wahab Riaz. John, what caused you to roll your eyes or, or throw your hands up in the air in shock or surprise or both? Well, I think to that, I'd add the recent announcement that um, uh, Afghanistan are going to effectively freeze out three of the players from uh, participating in franchise cricket. And we don't know how that's actually going to, to pan out. But if they decide to challenge it, then clearly it has some repercussions for the, the game as a whole. So I think that that's a controversy that uh, that will rumble on. And another one that's uh, rumbling on centres on um, uh, Osman Kawaja. And we know that is the ICC have banned him from having symbols on his equipment. And that ban really has has given him much more publicity than he could probably ever have hoped for by going down the uh, the route that he wanted to. So I think that one is going to uh, opened up some uh, several uh, cans of worms. And I think he also has been a he was active a bit earlier in the year in the summer when he contacted the ICC general manager to um, effectively complain about the um, the heavy fines for slow over rates and managed to get those reduced. So clearly he's, um, his activism is, uh, is developing. Yes, very much uh, the focus of attention, Usman Kawaja, and he's been such a success with the bat this year as well, as we mentioned earlier in the podcast. The only player at the time of recording, and we're recording on Wednesday the 27th of December, to top 1,000 test runs in the calendar year, which is always an incredible achievement. Sebastian? What attracted your attention on the controversy meter? I think as to be Sri Lanka cricket being suspended, I think uh, it was their internal problem, the minister coming up and giving his verdict. And it was never a Sri Lanka cricket as a whole, but uh, their internal problem. And that ended up on affecting us, Nepal, not being able to travel to Sri Lanka, favorable condition, the World Cup being shifted. I think Sri Lanka cricket itself is going on a big overhaul, but... Uh, has to be Sri Lanka cricket suspension. Uh, it coincided with the dismal World Cup performance. Uh, so they found it very hard to deal with. Yes, that under-19 Cricket World Cup in the early part of 2024, now being switched to South Africa as a, as a result of the political shenanigans in Sri Lanka. And that one seems to have a little bit more traction, a little bit more time to run, it appears. Well, before we go, having gone through everything that's happened in the past 12 months, let's uh, wrap things up by looking in the other direction, forward to the year to come. It's a year that promises much, as it will see the ICC Cricket World Cup League 2 get underway in February, although the fixtures have uh, yet to be announced publicly. So that's the, the second tier of international cricket, if you like, uh, all towards the, the next 50-over World Cup for men in 2027. Let's not forget as well, of course, there's the ICC Women's T20 World Cup set to take place in Bangladesh with the global qualifier in Dubai prior to that. And in the middle of the year, the ICC Men's T20 World Cup in the Caribbean and most importantly of all, perhaps in the USA as cricket continues to try and get uh, a major foothold in that part of the world. 
Subash, what are you looking forward to most of all? Plenty, I'm guessing, with uh, Nepal set to feature in both the ICC Under-19 Cricket World Cup in South Africa and that Men's T20 World Cup in the USA and the Caribbean. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to the League Two series and the World Cup. I think return of the World Cup after 10 years is going to be a big, big thing for us. But before that, we're inviting Namibia and Netherlands in Nepal. I think uh, the teams back from World Cup success, Netherlands, Namibia had their days in T20 World Cup. So I think uh, the fans are excited to see two premier teams of associate regions in Nepal. And I'm excited as well. And John, what about you? What appeals to you about the uh, the cricketing year to come? Well, on several levels, the men's T20 World Cup. Firstly, the fact that it's got 20 teams in it. See how uh, we'll get any surprises from that or how that pans out. And secondly, what levels of interest are actually going to um, emerge uh, in the in the States? Yes, there's a lot to look forward to then. But uh, that was our look back at the cricketing year of 2023. Thanks very much for joining us here at The Wicket. And we will be back soon with more cricketing chat from the Gulf region, Asia and worldwide. Please don't forget to like, subscribe and comment on what you've heard wherever you get your podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback and let us know if there's anything you'd like us to feature in future episodes. I should add that John is filing a piece on his impressions of the 2023 year in cricket for Arab News. And so keep an eye out for that online. And John, it's slightly different from what we've done here, isn't it? It's more of a personal impression, isn't it? Yes, it's looking at uh, matches that I've been present at where something significant has happened, particularly in the perspective of its um, impact on the future of the game. And I I should round off also by saying that um, surely no podcast um, is going to be complete from us without me uh, mentioning that I'm also looking forward to the development of one Rashin Ravindra in 2024. Absolutely. As president and founding member of the Rachin Ravindra fan club, we couldn't ask for anything else uh, from you at this stage of the podcast or any stage of the podcast, in fact. John, what about you, Sebash? Uh, uh, it's uh, the end of 2023, start of 2024, and uh, well, we're all set to go for another busy year of cricket, aren't we? Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of things coming up. I think the World Cup in Caribbean and the United States is going to be a big one. Especially United States cricketing future is going to be decided. I think they've still a venue to be completed. Uh, but I think the local cricket in that area is booming, and I think the T20 World Cup will be will serve as a benchmark for that area. And uh, there's a lot of potential in United States considering other sports as well. So I think that's the area all global uh, cricket fanatics will be looking at. And me being a Nepal fan, I think uh, going back to the World Cup in different scenario, it's going to be a great one. So we've got all that to look forward to. But in the meantime, this is Brian Murgatroyd along with John Pike and Sebash Hamagain saying thanks for listening. Have a happy and peaceful new year. And we look forward to your company next time in 2024. Goodbye. <laughs>